Hi, love. My name is Nitika Chopra, and I am your host for the podcast, Thriving Together. I'm so excited about this show because we are going to genuinely be on the journey together. I'll be sharing lots of behind the scenes and as many unfiltered moments from my life as I possibly can as I take you through what it has meant for me to learn how to thrive and the ways that I'm still learning every single day. While you will be on your own journey of thriving, figuring out what that means for you. And I know that so many of you out there might not even know if thriving is possible, but I want you to know through this podcast and this show that it absolutely is, but it has to be on your own terms. Thank you so much for being here with me and let's get started with thriving together. Hi loves. My name is Nitika Chopra and I'm so excited to be here with you for another episode of thriving together. We have an incredibly special episode today because it's the first time that I am having a guest on my podcast. I obviously have interviewed hundreds of people throughout the years through my talk show and through my former podcast, The Point of Pain, but this is the first time I'm having someone on this show. And it feels really special to me because this show in particular um, is going to be very different than what I've done in the past. And you'll hear more about that in this week's episode. But basically, I want these conversations that I'm having with my friends or guests that I have on the show to really have you feel like we are all on a phone call together, like we're just riffing and sharing and connecting and it's like effervescent, like there's like a levity to it, you know, and feels just like really, um, yeah, really fun. So obviously we'll get into like heavy and deep stuff from time to time too, but you know how it is. There's just like a, a fun kind of chemistry that happens when you're talking to a close friend or someone that you really adore. And I think you're going to feel that in this week's episode for sure. So, um, I am, I have the pleasure of talking to one of my best friends, Amina Altai. She is an incredible, incredible coach, and she's been a friend of mine over the last several years, and we've gotten closer and closer through the pandemic and through this last year as well. And um, she is a coach for purpose-driven professionals. Oh, gosh, that was a tongue twister. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. Amina is a coach for purpose-driven professionals. She works with executives, entrepreneurs, and leaders to bring purpose back into their profession. And she is incredible at what she does. And she's also led workshops for us in Chronicon and the Chronicon community. And she's just like one of my favorite people of all time. So I'm really excited for you to get to spend some time with us and um, hear from Amina. She and I talk about different ways that we both thrive. We talk about friendships. She dives deep into how it was for her to be a friend alongside everything I was going through this past year. That was a really intimate and personal part of the conversation. And then we also talk about just like our morning routines. We talk about the woes of meditation. We talk about so many things. So this is one of many episodes where I plan to bring Amina into this show. Um, I, As I said, I want it to feel like we're talking with friends and I'm going to have a lot of my friends come back and back and back and over and over and over again to um, have episodes with us. So All right, I'm starting to ramble. So we're going to get right into the episode. Here is my conversation with the amazing Amina Altai. 
So we are already starting off this podcast episode laughing our butts off. We just had to stop laughing so that we could finally start recording. Um, hi to my beautiful friend who is here with us today, Amina Altai. Hi, sweetheart. Hello, Nitika. So happy to be here with you as always. I know. I'm so excited. And this is the start of, well, it's like the start of this new podcast for one. But, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to have happen with this new show is for it to feel like people are just hanging out with us and I'm able to bring on some of my favorite people and really people who are my trusted, like tried and true inner circle, the folks that I'm talking to all the time and like just that I rely on to get me through all the difficult moments, all the funny moments, all the moments of life. And you are at the top of that list, girl. I'm so happy that they get to now like really experience you Um, because we talk all the time and we talk about so many different things and we've developed our friendship, I would say over, what is it, over the last like, since since like right before Chronicon launched really, right? Like that was 2019. Yeah. I remember I met you just a little bit before that. And um, it's so it's been the last few years, mostly through a pandemic. And yeah, I just am, I'm just so happy that you're like such a deep, deep friend now and such a close friend. And I'm thrilled that people are going to get to hear more from you and hear about what your version of thriving is. So we're just going to jump right in. Are you ready? Also, for all of you listening, I call Amina Mini. So if you hear me calling her Minnie. This is going to feel like you're just hanging out with us. So you're probably going to hear us call each other by our nicknames. Um, yes. So Minnie, um, what, yes, what do you, <laughs> right? Yeah. So she calls me Nitty. Um, what do you think of when you think of the word thriving? Like what, it is like no right or wrong answer. It's like what comes up for you? So I'm currently working on my book and the book is about ambition and purpose. And so I was spending some time in that section today and I was reflecting on this book by Gary Zukav, The Seed of the Soul. And Gary talks about um, being like in our power in our lifetime. And one of the ways that we're in our power in our lifetime is when we align our personality with our soul. And that definition is just so amazing to me and so rich to me, like that perfect alignment of like who we be in planet Earth and then who we be over the course of these many lifetimes, just aligning those two pieces, that to me feels like thriving because that touches all aspects of our lives, right? From our mindset to our health and our well-being to how we show up in a relationship. If we're aligning those two pieces, like that really feels like thriving. My God, I'm like, we could just end the whole podcast right here. (laughs) To me, that is like so... That's just epic because I, I mean, you know, I am someone who my purpose and like where I think this is why we get along so well because our purpose is so at the center of our being. And I think that's true for so many people. I used to think it was true for everyone. I've learned that not everybody is like led by their purpose in the exact same way that maybe you and I are where they make a career out of it. Like some people as I'm sure you've experienced, might have a purpose that's more rooted in like their family life or might have a purpose that, you know, even with folks who are living with a chronic illness, it's like going through that and navigating that and maybe helping other people that they're close to know how to navigate it is their purpose. But it doesn't mean that it has to be their career. Like it's been for us, right? But I love what you said. And I remember you telling me about that book and that you read that part. And I actually have it in my wish list um, on Audible because I want to listen to it. 
But it just like feels like it gives me some permission to really fight for aligning myself with my purpose. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like sometimes it's a fight. Like sometimes I have to like really fight through things and try to figure out how can I make it happen? How can I make it, you know, (laughs) sustainable? How can I make it, you know, support me with my health and my energy? And it is a fight. It's a privilege, right? To like really live from our place of purpose. So I don't know. I just, that's what comes up for me when you say that, when you share that with me is like, oh, that's really cool because that means that it's like, okay, that I'm fighting so hard for this, you know? That's so beautiful. And like a question for you, like part of that okayness and part of that fight, do you ever feel like apologetic for or shame around the fact that our purpose and our vocation are so intrinsically tied? Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah. You know, I think, I I think I've gone through periods in my life where I have felt guilty for the fact that my work is so at the center of my being. Because my purpose, as I said, my purpose and my work are so hand in hand, right? Like Chronicon, I think, is connected to my life's purpose. And it's also my business. So I have felt guilty about that at times. But I think as I've gotten, I think, closer and closer to what's really my purpose, which now is Chronicon, whereas before it was like I was doing Bella Life or I was, you know, doing my talk show or I was doing other things that were getting me closer and closer, but they weren't quite it exactly. I think I felt more guilty back then, but now with Chronicon, I don't feel as guilty because it's not about me. You know, so like every time, like, I mean, I I feel like I could cry just thinking about it because of course I'm thinking about the Chronicon community and- Of course you are, your loves, the loves of your life. (laughs) I know, I know, you know, you know, they are the loves of my life because we have so much fun in there and we love each other up so much and you're doing a workshop with us um, in January. So hopefully this podcast will be out before then. And if you're not a member, you can sign up and join us. But yeah, it's like- I used to feel bad, but when I when I think about it in relationship to Chronicon, I just don't because I feel like I see every time I'm talking about it now, I see those members in the community and I'm like, oh, I, I don't care if this person finds this annoying. I'm saying this because I know Stacy is really struggling right now or like Jesse is going through something or this person is going through something or they're having a breakthrough or, you know, I'm not saying that any of these people are going through something or struggling, but just mentioning that and just thinking about those individuals makes it not about me. Now I feel like I'm no, rambling. This is what happens. No, you're not. I think, this is, I think this is so powerful, the shift from self to service. And yeah. millennials, Gen Zers, like we are the impact-driven generations and we really want to have a ripple effect with our work. We want to support people and that's what you're talking about. And yes, our purpose doesn't have to be what we do. Sometimes it can be. Our purpose really is what we be and if we can align that being with the action and then be of service. Yeah. I think is the most beautiful thing, which is what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I'm so I'm so glad <laughs> because because I can't I couldn't change it if I tried, and I, I have tried. Fine. I feel like what we're here for. You can't change it. It's a calling. It's what we're here for. I totally agree. So when you are going throughout your day, are there like things that you feel like you have to do in order to feel like you're thriving more? Like, are there certain habits or? Yeah, certain like rituals and things that you have to do. Like what are some of those things? 
Yeah. So I'm super bullish about my morning routine. And when I onboarded my virtual assistant, we had a really loving and honest conversation about my morning routines. I was like, listen, I coached Tuesday through Thursday, 11 to six. We never touched the space on my calendar before 11 a.m. And I was like, I love you. And your job is to protect that time. Because if I don't have that time protected, I can't show up fully for the work that I'm called to do. So my mornings really are my sacred time. I'm a Vedic meditator, so I meditate for 20 minutes twice a day. I don't always get to the second meditation. That's that's kind of a New Year's goal of like, can I get to the second meditation? Because I think that would really mm-hmm. serve me. But I start the morning with a 20-minute meditation, usually even before I've gotten out of bed, um, because I can move my body. Most days I will move my body, whether it's a, a workout or a walk. Um, I also love red light therapy. I had um, toxic mold exposure, and red light therapy has been so instrumental just in terms of mitochondrial repair and just more energy production. And so it's been really, really helpful for me. Um, journaling, like using all my tools in the morning so that I can start the day really with a clean slate and feeling really strong to be able to hold the container and support people throughout the day. Um, and then one practice that I do almost at the end of every week, and I share this with a lot of my clients too, is I do cord cutting. So cord cutting meditations because I'm sharing space with so many people all day, every day. And in every interaction, we're exchanging pieces and parts of ourselves. So kind of a regular hygiene practice that I have for myself is a cord cutting meditation. And I feel like between that morning routine, between the cord cutting, those are sort of foundational, almost like root chakra practices for me that keep me in in the thriver's seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of root chakra, I feel like we talked about how your workspace, you also feel like has to feel very grounded and like centered in your, what is a root chakra for those people who don't? I know I should be able to tell people because I'm brown, but like, you know, Indian, but (laughs) you're more well-versed in the chakras than I am, I feel like, because you really lean on them, I think, a lot throughout everything that you do. Yeah. And I also want to hear about your morning routine as well, because I do feel like you've really dialed that in as of late and it's very inspiring. But um, so chakras are energy centers and we have them throughout our body. Root chakra is the one that is sort of at the the base of our like cossacks at the very lower part. And that has a lot to do with grounding. And so mm-hmm. I, I had talked about root chakra in the context of my work because I do feel like work needs a grounded space as well. So when I was designing the space that I currently live in, I made a dedicated space for my work. Now, I will be honest, you and I talked about this, I have over-rotated, I've made too much space for my work and not enough space for play. So one of the goals of this year really is to be able to bring in more play, to kind of separate work and home and just like have more boundaries and definition around those areas because homegirl over-rotated a little bit. Yeah, and I will be happily – well, so for those of you who don't know, Amina and I live across the street from each other, and yes, although I have been exiled to New Jersey for the last almost six months, I will be returning. By the time this podcast airs, I will have returned and be able to see her building from my window. <laughs> so I was just going to say that I will be uh, supporting you in that, like, you know, kind of course correction a little bit as much as I can, however I can. Maybe we can update the listeners later on in the season and let them know how that's been going because I feel like I love that. You'll wave the Nitika wand over my space. I just think, yeah, and you have such a gorgeous, ridiculously beautiful space. So it's just about like little tweaks. But yeah, I think that's something that I really focus on a lot is like making my space like a cocoon, you know, Mm -hmm. and finding ways to 
you know, make it so that it can be adaptable to work because work is like obviously such a huge part of my day to day um, as well. But yeah, just like having, I guess my grounding piece is like the comfort, you know, but I'm an Aries moon according to like the Western astrologies. I mean, I'm a cancer moon, sorry, Aries sun. Uh, according to the Western astrology. And that's like all about comfort and like, you know, (laughs) like being in the womb basically. So um, yeah, but I really love that Minnie. And I think that's really good. And I feel like those are really, oh my God, all of those rituals. I remember when you told me that you did a Vedic meditation twice a day and I was like, what? You meditate? Like I literally have had the hardest time and my last name is Chopra. So it's like very off brand that I would be having (laughs) such a hard time meditating. But I do. I have such a hard time meditating sometimes. And I've gotten much better this year. And I feel like you've seen that evolution for sure. But before um, this recent like stint that I've been able to actually do it, I, oh my God, I started and stopped and started and stopped so many millions of times with meditation. So I remember when you first told me that you meditated like consistently, whether it's once or twice a day, it's still a miracle in my opinion. Um, (laughs) I just thought that was so cool. So I love that. I love all the things. I want to say this for people listening to you because I do think meditation sometimes can be tricky and I was not consistent until I found the type of meditation that worked for me. And there's just so many different types, like from guided visualization to breath work, to Vedic, to you know, TM. And so I think it's really an invitation to play. Like we all have different brains. We all have different needs and like what works for you. Because I think when we find the thing that works for us, we can find the consistency. It's not like magic or I'm not like willing my way into it there. I think there's just something that works for each of us, but you've been so good with the breath work this year. And that is one of the hardest practices for me. You know, that I resist it at all costs. So I want to hear Every time I mention it, we start laughing because you're just like, no, 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 no. Because I run kicking and screaming it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Well, I, first of all, I love what you just said about, you know, finding the meditation that works for you. And I actually do think that that's what breath work has been for me mm-hmm. because, and I, and I feel that that's so true, whether we're talking about meditation or anything else, if there's something that people are thinking about, you know, that they want to add to their like routine around thriving and they're like annoyed that they haven't done that yet. I do really just think it's about figuring out what is your way of doing it. And mm-hmm. I think I saw the biggest breakthrough in this, which I know you like witnessed the whole thing around working out. That was like mm-hmm. the biggest, biggest breakthrough. And yeah, we can like have a whole episode on movement and maybe we will later on in the season. But that was a part of it is like figuring out how am I supposed to work out? Like, okay, I tried – we tried like different classes together. We tried like different things. And I was like, this is not for me. I need to like go home and like lay on a mat and do like one thing. And this is like not my vibe. But it's like that, uh, those things were like your joy. You know what I mean? So it's also like, we talk about that a lot in, a lot in Chronicon is like not putting yourself in these strict rules and it has to be this way. And I think social media plays a big part in why we often feel like we need to be a certain way because we're seeing people be that way all the time. Um, But yeah, back to the breath work. So I met David Elliott. Um, I did a session with him uh, on Zoom over like I think it was – oh, it was in October actually that I met him at the end of October right before Chronicon's anniversary. You guys see? It's like the center of my life. I can't – I just can't help it. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so – Um, yeah, towards the end of October and I had a session with him on zoom, as I said, 
And it was really powerful. Like he basically does like a breathwork session with you and it's like about an hour. He is also um, incredibly clairaudient, which is like he has psychic gifts that he hears versus like people who see them or, you know, feel them in their body. And he was just like a really special person. And then a lot of times with that stuff, you know, you kind of go through it and then it's like, okay, you're done. Like you're just, you know, move on. But the thing that was different about David was – because I totally would have had that. Even though it was a powerful session, I totally would have had that just like moving on thing with him too and not really picking it up again. But he has two audiobooks. He has two books that happen to be audible on Audible. And the one that I highly recommend is just called Healing by David Elliott. And I just loved it so much. It felt like a companion – for me and it helped me sort of like open up my heart and mind to the work a little bit more. It's like hours and hours and hours, right? So I'm like listening to this, kind of steeping myself into like the practice and what it's all about. And then I started doing the breath work and the breath work, he has all these playlists on Spotify. So it's like all free too. He's really about making all of his work really accessible. And it's so, yeah, it's like so nice, right? So there was like no stress about that. So then I've been doing He has like a seven-minute one. This morning, I did the gratitude meditation, which was like 15 minutes. And I think the other reason why his stuff has really resonated with me is because it's what he calls like active – I don't know if he calls it, but it's what I guess is called active meditation. So it uses your body in a very active way. And I think I need that (laughs) in order to like quiet my mind, you know? Um, anyway, so I could go on and on and on about David Elliott and his breath work. Um, I really, really love his stuff. And I think doing the combination of things and then also like not for nothing this year, like genuinely tried to take me down, yes, uh, 2022 tried to, right. We saw you intimately saw, oh my God, Minnie was there for like the hardest moments. Can we talk about that for a minute actually? Because I Let's feel like, about it. right. Oh my gosh. My energy just like totally shifted thinking about it. Um, I guess like what I, what I want to talk about, I mean, obviously like sharing your perspective of like witnessing someone that you're close to going through something like that and like what it was like for you, because I think, um, that might be interesting for people to hear about because they might be dealing with something similar. Yeah. I, that's so interesting that you felt a big energy shift too, because as you asked me that question, I got teary because, it was a really wild experience just, you know, watching Nitika, who is somebody who is larger than life, has so much energy, is such a go-getter, and bit by bit watching this kind of mysterious illness just take things from her and take take her gifts in lots of ways. It felt so cruel. Like there was a moment where your speech was impacted and you are a speaker, you know? It was just like there were moments that I was having where I was kind of like, God, why? Like this just feels like an extra layer of cruel. And, you know, definitely had to do my own work on that because I was like, God, why? Like, she's been through enough. We've all been through enough. Like, this is a wild time. It's not fair. Life isn't fair, Amina. That's what we discussed in therapy. But, you know, I think one of the scariest moments came when I was, I think it was just like either before or after you were diagnosed and I was over at your apartment and you were really sort of, you know, physically shaking and incapacitated. And I was genuinely worried that you were going to collapse and I wasn't going to know what to do. And in that moment, I asked you like, hey, can I have your parents' phone number or like, who's your, you know, emergency contact? Because I was just so worried that something was going to happen and I wouldn't know what to do. 
um, and I would just need to tap into those people. But it was gen like I think genuine terror in that moment when I just saw how physically you had been impacted. Like it was, I think, terrifying. Oh God, that makes me emotional to hear. I know we've talked about it before, but yeah, it was a really wild experience for me to also like let someone in at the level that I let you in that like isn't a family member, you know, because I, I know you and I have talked about this, but I know in the community we talk about this a lot too with like, it's really hard to let people in. It's really hard to let people, you know, it's like such a catch 22, right? We feel so isolated but then like it perpetuates more isolation <laughs> in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, so I haven't been in a situation like that where I've been so physically close to someone while I'm so ridiculously sick and and sort of I was a bit helpless in a lot of those moments, you know, which is just such a vulnerable position because I didn't have so the ability. Yeah, and um, I think that was also a really interesting growth edge, you know, probably for both of us, just like letting someone in, being there. I mean, when I got COVID, which is like what triggered all of this, I mean, my parents like called Amina. <laughs> they were like, we need you to go to the, you know, to the drugstore. Like, can you please get her these things? Well, Venmo you, don't worry about anything. Just please help. Because I was like crawling on the ground, like unsure if I was going to make it, even though I was fully vaccinated. Like I definitely. so sick. It was bad. It was bad, 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 bad. It was not like a mild case of COVID at all. Um. So anyway, I just think that whole experience of just intimacy too, right? Intimacy, intimacy. Oh. And like me getting to also connect with your parents. I remember being at the drugstore, literally on the phone with your parents and your brother. Your mom called me Bitha and I was like, oh my God, I have arrived. Like I'm now officially part of the family. This is amazing. You are. <laughs> but it was so intimate. And like your dad telling me like, oh, we should get her these cough drops and like make sure you get this thing. And like just everyone kind of together rallying to support you, but like really feeling like I was you know, part of the family and, and there to really love you through it. It was very intimate. Yeah. Well, you really did love me through it. So if this podcast is for nothing else other than to give you a massive <laughs> shout out because, oh my gosh, guys, like I could not have gotten through it without you. Like genuinely. I mean, there were just, and you know, it, it taught me a lot about friendship and, you know, who you can count on and, and for all intents and purposes, like we were pretty new friends, <laughs> like to, you know, considering we have friends in our lives that we've had for decades. Right. And mm -hmm. it's like, so we've only known each other for a few years, but we just went right in. I mean, that's, I think, <laughs> the, way, that's the way to go. Jump right in. And, just you know, right in. I know we're talking about your experience and also you have been there for me. And even though you were going through so much, not once did you not show up for me as a friend. Or whatever I was going through. And I think that that's so remarkable. And I also had to navigate my own stuff around that too. There were times that I would come to you and I'd be like, listen, I know you have so much going on and I almost feel embarrassed to even think that this is a thing right now, but I want to share this with you. And you'd be like, I'm going to stop. Like we're all going through things and like, I'm your friend and I want to be there for you. And I just think that that is just a testament to who you be in the world, how you show up for Chronicon, how you show up for your friends, your family, the fact that you could hold both, even when you are literally fighting for your life. Thanks, honey. I mean, you know, the thing is that I, I always tell people, especially I've started telling people this when I make new friends, where I'm like, I don't have a lot of like, almost no, I have almost no physical 
capacity to support you. So if you need me to like help you pack something or if you need me to like help you run errands, I am not the one. I am not the one. So if you would like me to say yes to supporting you, you need to not ask me to do any physical labor. Okay. That is just, that is just to be known. But I have a lot of emotional bandwidth. I have Mm -hmm. actually, I've learned I have an exceptional amount of emotional bandwidth. And it it truly feeds me, right? But I know that that's not the case for everyone. And I think a part of my thriving journey, especially as of late, I've had to really reevaluate relationships and friendships over the last few years through the pandemic. I lost like quite a few friends through my health stuff and everything too, And I just feel like knowing that about myself and not, you know, pretending that it's another way or, and also not apologizing that it's, that it's that way, you know, and just being like, no, this is the way that it is. And this is perfect for me. This is exactly what I have to give. And I have, I do a great job in giving this, but I'm not going to be able to do anything other than like all those other stuff for you. So it's, you know, I guess the reason of bringing that up is also like, that's why, right? It's also, I think sometimes as hard as it is, that's a great way to evaluate friendships. Like some friendships aren't meant to be first tier friendships because I can't meet their needs. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever had to evaluate things like that with friends? Oh, for sure. I think that I shared this in a Chronicon event, but there was So around my birthday every year, I would have this feeling of feeling like not fully seen, not fully loved. And one year I was just like super over it. And I was just like, oh, I hate this feeling of like feeling like I always give a lot. And then when it comes time for me to be loved up on, feeling like people don't show up for me, like it just doesn't feel good. So I created this. Uh, worksheet that I use, I give to my clients. It's about community. And so it's basically identifying five levels of community. And level one is our ride or dies. Those are the people that we show up so fully for, they show up so fully for us. And in, inside of each area or level, we get to decide how we want to show up for them, how we want them to show up for us, and everything's a conversation. Our level twos are the people that we love. We're just, it's not the all access pass. Level three is people we just kind of feel even about. Level four, maybe the people that are not super healthy. Level five is people that are toxic and maybe we need to set some really strong boundaries with. And so after going through that criteria for myself, I was like, wow, I show up for everybody like they're a level one from a people pleasing place, not from a truthful one, right? Like looking at my own stuff here, like recovering codependent and like loving to be needed. So I was showing up for everybody like they were a one. And then when they didn't show up for me like they were one, I would get resentful. But like we never had that conversation. It wasn't an understanding and not everybody's meant to show up that way in our lives. And so it was just a really clarifying process for me. And I was like, oh, this person's a three. So cool. And sometimes I needed to have that conversation and sometimes I didn't. It was just like kind of putting them in that category. Then it energetically shifted our relationship too. But, you know, was I saying this to you? I was saying it to somebody where they were like, do you ever have challenges with your relationship? And I was like, yeah, the way is littered with bodies. Like not everyone has come on the journey and it's okay, right? Because we grow we evolve. Sometimes we grow in different directions. We're not on parallel paths anymore. And that's totally fine. But I know it can be excruciating in the moment, but I think knowing what we need and how we want to show up for people and how we want them to show up for us, I think is just such an act of service to ourselves. Yeah. Oh my God. Amen. I I totally agree. And I think that's probably been like one of the biggest learnings for me with friends is I would do the same thing. I 
you know, as soon as I start to like someone, I'm just like, okay, so like we're best friends now. Like, <laughs> this is, like this is happening. Like we are going to be friends forever and we are going to get matching tattoos or something at some point. Um, like that's how I, that's how I act, you know, and I, I energetically behave that way. And the truth of the matter is I don't really feel that way. Mm. And that's the other thing I think I've had to realize, right? Like yeah. I go all in and I like lean in, like I feel that way. And then I get frustrated when they aren't doing the same thing. But the, the truth of the matter is usually when I feel that the other person isn't reciprocating, it's because I haven't really admitted that we aren't on the same page, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's happened a lot for me where I feel like, oh, wait, this is like the one friend of mine where I actually do feel kind of weird when we have these particular discussions. And like, I don't feel that way about these other friends who I have great reciprocal relationships with, you know? So I've had to get really honest about that and really like, yeah, just kind of, I don't know, like kind of just be okay with, and not everybody's going to be that first level friend, like you were saying. And also I think, um, yeah, I think that level of acceptance for people um, is really empowering. Like there is something really, really liberating about it. And then I found, especially over this last year, that the level one friends that I have, I think the relationships have become a lot more fulfilling even, you know, because I'm really leaning into them. And I'm like, really, I'm not getting like, my energy isn't leaking all over the place or getting depleted, you know, because I'm trying to make a level three, a level one all the time. You know what I mean? I completely know what you mean. It makes space for those other relationships to be richer, to be more honest, because we've been really honest about moving the things that aren't working out of the way. Yeah, totally. I think that's, I think that's such a good point. And I feel like people have talked to me about that from, you know, time to time. It's not like a new theory necessarily, but it took me a long time (laughs) to like really hear it. You know what I mean? Like I just couldn't hear it for so long. So hopefully if you've heard, yeah, what were you going to say? I'm like, what do you think that's about? Oh, girl, I did not want to let it go. (laughs) I did not want to let it go. I was like, everyone has to be my best friend, which is so silly because I don't want that many best friends. But yeah, and I- exhausting, honestly. (laughs) It is exhausting. Um, I think there's also this feeling, and this is where my codependency comes in, is like there's this feeling of, I don't know what it is. It's almost like, feeling responsible for everyone, like in this weird way. So like I'm constantly feeling responsible for everyone, which is different than like, okay, you're a coach. Like you, you're, you have some level of like responsibility for like the interaction that you have with your client or like, you know, the container that you hold, or, you know, I have a level of responsibility for everyone who shows up for like the in-person chronic on, like, you know, there's, there's a level of responsibility there and that's normal, I think, you know, and healthy. But there's this other layer, like 10 layers (laughs) that I add on there of like, I am responsible. Like if I meet someone and they don't feel like perfectly taken care of or perfectly safe or, you know, something of like that nature, it's like my fault or like I, Mm -hmm. I should have done more or, you know, something like that. And so that's definitely very codependent, just P.S. in case anyone was wondering. Um, and also, I'm sure um, you're not the only person that has felt that way. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I'm not either, but I, I definitely didn't realize I felt that way for a long time. And I think in learning that and seeing that about me, 
I've had to like really take that pressure off of myself and just be like, no, if she doesn't have a good time or if he doesn't enjoy it or whatever, it's like not always on you, you know, and it's not like always up to me to like fix everything. Um, Have you ever felt stuff like that? So actually what you're saying reminds me, I was on a panel a couple of weeks ago and it was, there was a section of the panel that was about pleasure and there was a a sex expert that was on the panel and this is adjacent to what we're talking about. I'm not taking this totally left field, but basically what they were saying is, is like, we are responsible for our own pleasure. And I was thinking about that. I was like, oh my God, we are responsible for our own pleasure. We're responsible for our own experience in most spaces, right? Like, yes, when we put ourselves in a vulnerable container, like a coaching container in a community, there's a responsibility of the person holding that container to keep us safe, to take care of us. But in our interpersonal relationships, like we have a responsibility to ourselves to like, to find the joy, to find the pleasure, to find the love and to have honest conversations when we're not, when something is misaligned. But that was like such an aha for me. And I love personal accountability. Listen, I don't think everything's about personal accountability because like, you know, oppression is real. And also I feel like it just also, you know, puts some power in our hands too, to be like, where can I fill up my own Mm -hmm. cup around joy? Where can I fill up my own cup around pleasure? Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think it's actually – there's also this thing that I, I heard about it. Also, I forget when – maybe in a therapy session of some kind. But there's also this part of it that's like I am then treating the other person like they're not capable of that, right? And I, I think I often forget that part because I'm just like, I have to fix everything. I have to save everyone. It's just like, excuse me, who made you like the person that needs to do all of that? Not only because it's not good for me, but that other person is – strong and beautiful and capable and incredibly brilliant and able to figure out what they need on their own, you know? And that's been a huge thing. Amen. So when I train other coaches, one of the things that I say to them all the time, like it's not our responsibility to fix anybody to solve their problems because in doing that, we make them small. We literally make the assumption that you do not have the ability to do this or fix this or change this yourself. We've made you small. And like, we're not in the business of making anybody small. We believe that everybody's amazing and can do things for themselves. And that I think is such a powerful shift. Like we're not here to make anybody small. No, we believe in all of you. I know. And when you say it that way, we're like, gross. That is totally not what we right. want to do. Up right? For. Yeah, that's not at all what we sign up for. But it's just so tricky, you know, and it can kind of sneak in without us realizing it. Um, so the other thing that's like sneaking in, I don't know if that's a good segue, but whatever, we're going to keep it in, um, is that it has now been about 35 minutes. Um, and I think we should wrap up in the next few little bit. Um, I, this is like the first time I'm recording an episode of thriving together with another guest. So I'm not sure how long it'll go, but maybe like 45 minutes we'll talk or something like that. Um, and yeah, I'm going to keep that whole part in because this is, this is the kind of podcast that we're doing here. It's really just like you're on the phone with us, you know? Um, but I was just thinking about, um, while you were talking, I was like, I feel so happy and so energized and like just so uplifted, you know, in having this conversation with you. And before when we got on, uh, you know, like on our whatever thing to like record, I was like, I feel a little like schmoopy. I just don't really feel like I just feel I'm, I'm tapering off of one of my medications. So it causes like that kind of a mood, you know, kind of side effect. Um, but I don't feel that now. And I I think the reason why I wanted to say that is because part of thriving for me, for sure, and I think this has been that way for you too, 
is figuring out like what are the things that have us feel joy and have us feel levity and have us feel like just positive vibes. And not that everything has to be positive all the time. That is not what we are saying. But I think it's been a lot of darkness for a long time on many, 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 many levels, personal, professional, global, like all of it. Um, And there will always be darkness. Like that is a given. That is a part of life. And it is in those darkest moments that we're able to find true light and all of that, right? Which we all know. But I think there is this thing of just really being ready for some joy and levity and light. And yeah. And so I just wanted to know, like, what are some of the things that are bringing you joy right now? Like, what are some of the things that add levity to your life? I know we heard about your morning routine and stuff, but yeah, just like in your life in general. Yeah, I love that. And for everybody listening to you, one of the things I want to underscore is that we get to have joy in our service, right? I think that's what you're talking about. I think that's so important. It's like we get to have joy in our work. We get to have joy in our service. We get to have joy in our relationships in all the places. Yes, it's a form of privilege to live there all day, every day, but I think that we can take steps towards it. And I think that's something that I'm really thinking about in this new year. So I'm working on my book right now, and today I was writing the section on joy. And as I was writing the section on joy, I was miserable. I was literally, I was texting Nitika, like, I'm having such a hard time motivating myself. Like, oh, help me, basically, is what I was saying. And I Although, said, oh, I'm cracking up as she's saying all of this, by the way. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> so I was like, really like, okay, let me just write about this experience. So I start to write about the experience of writing the book about joy and not feeling any joy. And then I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do to experience joy in this moment? And I just started to journal on it. And I but the first thing that came through was, you know, first and foremost, express gratitude. Like the fact that you get to write this book is a huge win. Less than, you know, publishing is predominantly white. There are very few people of color that get to write books. Less than 1% of people from the Middle East will be published in the U.S. So like this is a huge win. Like express gratitude around that. And then I was also like, what else do I need to do to cultivate joy in the container that I'm creating for myself as I write? And I thought about, you know, having a beautiful lunch, taking a walk, like having breaks, just really inviting the joy into all aspects because, you know, jokingly, but I, but not jokingly, I'm a Scorpio cap rising. So there's a lot of intensity and hard work over here in my chart. And I tend to like lean into that space. Like when I was thinking about writing the book, I was telling Nitika, I was like, I need to write 2,250 words on my writing days. So every week I have to write X amount of words and like just making everything so hard and unfun and unsexy. And today was such a turning point for me because the question was, how do I use joy as a catalyst? How do I bring joy into everything? And even like some friends were texting me to make plans for the week and they wanted to go to dinner. And dinner is not historically something that I enjoy because I have celiac disease and I have, and like I had, you know, toxic mold exposure. And I just always have like 65 food allergies and eating out is just not joyful. And so I asked somebody if they wanted to play paddle ball instead. And I was like, oh my God, this is so fun. Like I would love that. And so just thinking about all the ways that I can make joy the ingredient versus the desired outcome. Because when I have lived that way, like just holding my breath, waiting to get to the end point, the, or the, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that was joy, it didn't arrive, right? Because it is a necessary ingredient. It's the feel-good fuel that lights the way. So this year, I'm really thinking about how that can be step one of everything. Like the first question I ask myself, how can I make this joyful? How can I make this playful? I love that. So no, I needed every single second of that answer. (laughs) 
Um, and I cannot wait to move back to Brooklyn and play paddleball together because that's going to be Yay. so fun. <laughs> yeah, and I just think it's so it's so important. I I do think that you know feeling like we have to constantly get to a desired outcome is just so. I mean, first of all, I'm pretty sure that's like patriarchal conditioning. Um, but it's always just, patriarchy, right? I know. Whenever I'm like, like it's patriarchy. I know. I'm like, I just blame everything on the patriarchy at this point. But, you know, I do think that, that has something to do with the patriarchy. But I was actually talking to my mom about this this afternoon. Like, she was saying something just in passing about, you know, um, it's like something about, like, I hope you turn a corner or, like, you know, something like that. And I was like, Mom, this is the corner. Like, mm. this is life. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, wow. stop. Like, I don't want to be waiting for And she didn't mean yeah. anything by it, you know, so it's not to, like, you know, take her down. But I was just like, I don't want to be waiting for the next corner. I don't want to say, I hope you turn a corner and things change. What if this is it? Like, what if this is all we got? You know, like, how can I be grateful and excited and proud and, you know, just full, filled with joy over what I have right now? And I think especially if you're living with a chronic illness, but even if you're not, like think people who are going, so many people are going through challenges that are outside of their bodies, you know, and it can just be so easy to get caught in that trap of like, well, and people say this all the time, like when I have this, I will be happy or like when this happens, I will feel successful or whatever. And I am totally guilty of that. I mean, for sure. I am an entrepreneur. I have huge visions. I have huge dreams. I'm always thinking about like, okay, when can I have this goal? When can I meet this goal? Whatever. But I'm really trying to bring myself back down to earth a little bit and just being like, girl, this is good. Like you don't, you know, maybe it's not every single dollar that you want. Maybe it's not every single, you know, clear bill of health that you want. Maybe it's not whatever, but it's a lot. It's still a lot. And I think actually one of the things that we do in um, Chronicon's community is we have like a gratitude thread every single week. So every Monday we do it. And, you know, when I first started having us do it, I was like, I don't know if people are going to like care about this gratitude thread. I feel like sometimes gratitude can feel overdone and what's the point, whatever. But it's been one of our most popular posts that we do every single week because it does create that muscle, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've been doing it every night before I go to bed. I always talk to God and say what I'm grateful for. And it usually like calms my anxiety, which I tend to have before going to bed. And I just list things out in my mind, or sometimes I write them down. And I heard this um, quote recently that was from Melody Beattie. I actually heard it in Stephanie Fu's memoir called What My Bones Know, but she referred to this Melody Beattie quote. And it said, gratitude is turning what we have into enough. And I just, I have not stopped thinking about that since I heard it because I do feel like it can be so easy for us to think that we do not have enough, that we are not enough, and so on. And I just am tired of it, honestly. I'm tired of it. I don't want that for us, you know? Yeah. This is so beautiful, turning what we have into enough. I think about this in the context of ambition because my book is on ambition, right? And I think of ambition as the desire for more life. And I think it's something that's really natural in all of us. Like I think plants have ambition. They have a desire to reach towards the sun, right? Like humans have ambition. It just looks different for all of us. And I think that we can hold both things at the same time. 
But this gratitude and appreciation and this realization that this moment is enough, it's more than enough. And also I desire to grow, but I'm not doing it from a space of lack or scarcity because this moment is enough. I love that so much. Yeah, I love that too. And you know, what that reminds me of is the fact that we had a whole topic that we were supposed to talk about in this podcast and I just remembered it now and it's the end of the show. I thought about that halfway through. I was like, oh, she'll take us there if she wants to. I totally forgot about it. Guys, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is what happens on our phone calls, first of all. And second of all, this is like what life is about. Like who cares about the agenda? You know, I feel like everything that we talked about was so needed. I feel like I needed to talk about it. So hopefully it's stuff that you all needed to hear. Um, And what we were going to talk about is goals and like setting goals and how to work with our goals um, for the year. But we can bring Minnie back for another episode. We can just like have her come back. Yeah, because basically she's going to be one of the re- the series regulars <laughs> because she's We're just going to record our phone calls, basically. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. she's a series regular in my life, so you know that's how it's going to go. And I've seen shows that do that where the host has like her best friends come and like they just you know dissect different topics. And I think it's really like the vibe that I want for this show for people to feel like they're just a part of what we're talking about and a part of our lives and. You're, you're invited to sit with us, you know, is like the vibe that I want you to feel when you listen to this. So, yeah, I mean, no one ever invited me to sit with him when I was growing up. I was just about to say, as as two gals that were rarely invited to sit with people. (laughs) We were never never invited. Okay. So we came together and now you are all invited. All right. (laughs) So you can hold us to that. Um, But I have so, first of all, Minnie, thank you so much for doing this. You just show up for me all the time and show up for this community because I know, you know, you're doing this workshop with us in the Chronicon community, as I mentioned. And you just like, I just have to text you and be like, girl, I want to talk about this. Can you talk about this? And you're like, yeah, I got you. And you just are so there. And I'm so glad my friends are so brilliant. (laughs) it's always so fun it's always a yes because it's always so fun you know not all spaces are like that and I'm just so grateful that you come to me for these things oh my god I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way and thank you for spending some time with us and hopefully whoever is listening feels more supported and and feels like you're not in this alone like even if you are literally in your bathroom or you're walking to work or walking somewhere or whatever in your house and you are physically alone, maybe you're feeling a little lonely or just uncertain as we start the new year, I just want you to know Minnie and I have got you, okay? Like we we do. We We are so with you and you can find us in the Chronicon community. You can find us on Instagram. I'm going to link um, Amina's Instagram below in the show notes and all that good stuff and um, make sure that you check her out. And also like she's got an amazing like link in bio where you can sign up for her newsletter and just like stay connected to all of her work. So be sure that you do that. But we have got you. You are not on this journey alone. And hopefully you feel that a little bit more after this conversation. Is there anything that you want them to know before we say bye, Minnie? No, just I think time is one of the most generous things that we can share. So thank you for having us in your ear. And like Mitty said, like you're not alone. We are here for you. Hopefully you feel really included and like you're part of the conversation. And yeah, just so grateful that you tasked me for this first conversation. It means the world to me. Love you. Love you. 
All right, loves. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Thriving Together podcast. If you did, I would love to have you subscribe either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And please be sure to rate and review the show, especially if you liked it, because it really helps make sure that this content gets to more and more people. Thanks so much for listening. And I cannot wait to be with you for the next episode.